It's interesting, um, we were looking at the time and we're thinking, you know, we're getting like, getting quite late on, we've done quite a lot of music tonight. And Chris just said, you know, well, let's just leave this one then and we'll just go on to you preaching. And I thought, nah, it feels right to do, you know, and it just kind of feels right. And I'm really glad we did it because I think that, um, well, it moves me and I think the lyrics are just so important. And I, I've got to say that as a house, I think that that song really represents everything that I think we we are actually. I was going to say that we're striving to be, but I think that through our authenticity and through our honesty and through our life's journeys, I think we've actually proved ourselves to be a group of people that in spite of stuff, we're actually still willing to stick together and walk alongside people in their journeys. And to me, if all else fails, that is all that matters. That is all that matters. You know, like that video before, it's quite scary some of the things that he was saying, I have to be honest, because the more, of, the more of what we know as Christianity gets stripped away, the more empty and vulnerable you become because all of your security that was once in something, you're kind of left in this little raft thinking, oh, I'm not sure I like this anymore. You know, so I'm glad you're here. Are you glad that you're here? Yeah. I hope you are because I'm glad that you're here. I really am glad that you're here. I think sometimes it can just be, oh, Saturday night, you know, coming along to church. No, we're here to be together, to enjoy one another's company, to inspire one another, to sing some good songs. And I want you to go home tonight feeling a little bit different than before you came in. Not because we've got our fix in that sense, but because we've really absorbed some of the truths and some of the things that have been said that ultimately propel us into a great week. That's all right, isn't it? It's okay, yeah? Now, that's, that's my intro, because I usually do about a 19-hour intro. So I was talking to Chris in the kitchen, and we were saying, you know, we just do really go on to recap what we've said, and it's like goes on and on, and we've got five minutes left to preach. So I'm going to, in a nutshell, right, I'm doing part two tonight of my Toxic Whispers, all right? Some of you might not have been here for the first one, but we're on part two. So... As I was studying, it's amazing because it's like I want to keep going back to the last one because all of it intertwines. So when I'm thinking, no, 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 we've got online. That is what online is for. So if you haven't heard the first one, go onto the media section of the website, check out Toxic Whispers Part 1, The Bloodthirsty God, right? But that wasn't supposed to be up yet, the first slide, but I'll let you off. (laughs) Right. Okay. So, recapped very quickly the last time I brought the bloodthirsty God, okay? So we were looking at the whole concept of a whisper. We, we, we talked about Chinese whispers on how basically, we're not allowed to call it Chinese whispers, you have to call it a broken telephone because that's politically correct. So we start, with, we start with somebody talking. You've all heard of Chinese whispers, right? Surely. So somebody starts whispering into person's ear, goes into the next person, next person, next person, next person, next person, until the very last thing is nothing like what was originally said. Yeah, and you've all played it, and some of the stuff that you end up with is really quite hilarious, isn't it? Yeah? Well, I'm telling you, the whole concept of what I'm bringing with this, is, with this series is trying to get you to understand that there is nothing different about the church. Nothing different with the church. Things have been said over time that have been transferred to another generation, to another generation, to another generation, and you end up with something that is totally removed from its original intention. Now... I'm here tonight to try, through what I feel like I'm starting to understand, to try and start to smash some of that stuff away. You're probably thinking, oh, no, 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 no. Yes, because actually this is all about life. It's all about life to our being, and that's what ultimately we're trying to create. So we have in Genesis, okay, the story of Adam and Eve, and ultimately the pick the, pick the fruit and 
things seem to go a little bit to pot, right? Now, we have a scripture and it says this, the Lord God made garments of skin for Adam and his wife and clothed them. That's it. That's what it says, all right? This is what we've ended up with. God clothed Adam and Eve in skin so that he could remind himself that justice had been carried out on an innocent victim in order for him to be satisfied with them and forgive their transgression. In other words, God needs to kill the innocent for the guilty to live, and therefore God now needs blood in order for the gap to be bridged. I can't take any more time. I'll say it again. God clothed Adam and Eve in skin so that he could remind himself that justice had been carried out on an innocent victim in order for him to be satisfied with them and forgive their transgression. In other words, God needs to kill the innocent for the guilty to live. And therefore, God now needs blood in order for the gap to be bridged. Can we leave it there and go home? Now, some of you will already be a little bit freaked out. Don't be. It's okay. All I'm trying to show you is we've taken something that's not, it's not there. That's not what it says. And we've made it into this thing that actually that has literally destroyed the majority of now. Why have I got water everywhere? It's a sign. I'm not supposed to read my notes. Look. Right, have I got, can I have a tissue? Oh, there's one over here. See, look, I'm getting too excited. Right. What a mess there. Shirley, do you still do this? I'm, I'm really sorry, like, I'll, I'll do it, I'll do it for you. Or will you do it for me out of love? Thank you. Of course. Okay, where was I? I'm not comfortable with this tonight, it's pulling. Right. So I just readjusted myself. Okay, I'm all right now. Now I've cleaned up my mess, all right. Okay. Right, so, goes on to this. Sacrifice was something, well, this is what we talked about, we understood from the process of the speak that sacrifice was something that was more for man's sake in order to make themselves feel okay in their own skin. Remember, nakedness, shame, have to hide, right? Before a God which they believe was now against them. That was the premise, okay? Remember, to cover it, it was to cover their nakedness because they didn't feel okay with a father that actually hadn't gone anywhere, all right? Now, we also looked at the root word for sin. Can anybody remember? Forgetfulness, unconsciousness. They actually are what two of the main root words for sin is forgetfulness and unconsciousness. Now, when you look at the word sin like that, it's bizarre. When I read the Bible now and see that word sin, if I add in forgetfulness and unconsciousness, the whole passage changes. And it actually seems to, it reads quite nice actually. It's quite amazing what it does, right? Now we have projected something onto the father that was never in his original plan. Never. We've projected it onto him, okay? Now get this. We believe that somehow he went from father to Fiora with a bite of one apple. Was it an apple? Do we actually know? Was it like a lychee? I don't know. Right. Anyway. It would, yeah, I think it was an exotic fruit. I think lychee. I'm going with lychee. Does that make sense? Father to Fiora, one bite. His character can be changed that easily. Okay, part two. So I've gone a little bit long on my thing, but here we go anyway. Right, part two. Toxic whispers. Part two is called No Bull. 
No, but I'm really struggling with the water tonight, aren't I? I don't know what's really going on. I think I need a straw and a little cup or something. I'm going to put it down here. Just Okay. <laughs> I don't normally dribble, honestly. Right. Now, I do not believe from all of my study over the last, the first part, the second part, over all of my study, I do not believe that God was ever interested in the shedding of blood of animals. Honestly, I don't. Now, some of you would like to, might want to argue that, and that's okay. I'm actually quite happy for the, the conversation because it's something that I'm really passionate about. But I do not believe that that was ever in his foreseeable plan of what the kingdom was going to look like. All right? What Anth brought last week was something that I was going to bring in, but I'm kind of glad he did it because it's been, I've been able to leave it out now. Again, listen to last week. It was fantastic. He talked about Abraham and Isaac. Okay? Now, we realized that if... We're presented with a story where God, our Heavenly Father, reveals himself as something totally different to the pagan gods which required sacrifice. That's just a brief summary. So, in effect, God was saying almost what the pagan gods would have normally said in order to show that he was different. Because sacrifice was always from the pagan side and God was saying, ah, 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 you've got it wrong, but thank you for trusting me that I would now give instead of ask you to sacrifice. It was about giving, all right? Again, listen, use the website because you can catch up on some of this stuff and there's, some, the di- there's little diamonds being shed every week. They're just fantastic. Now, I don't know if you can remember, but last time I spoke, I didn't use scripture. And, and it was a risk because I know... It's actually quite nice using it within it because you get like a process going. But I said, when Jesus came to earth, apart from some of the old writings, what we read in the New Testament now is what he said, but he had nothing to back it up. Remember, he was saying it live there and then. He had nothing. So what I was trying to tell you was, sometimes we need to open our beings to the vastness of Abba and allow him to speak to us rather than always necessarily needing chapter and verse. Now, chapter and verse, I think it's great. And I'm excited that as I read now, things are starting to slot into place. But God does not exist in the pages of the Bible. He does not exist in the page of the Bible. Now you say, but he's in there. Yes, he's in there and people have written accounts of the magnitude of how fantastic the whole whole thing is. His character and being doesn't live in paper. It lives within you. It lives within us. It's in everything. It's in your seat. It's in everything around you. And sometimes we shrink him down to this pea and we make him powerless and meaningless. However, I am going to use scripture this evening. Thank you very much. Right? Now, I'm basically going to just going to whiz through. And I'm not going to give much of an explanation um, of each one because, bearing in mind, these scriptures are now my evidence and my backing up of some of the things that I proposed to you in part one, okay? So remember what I proposed to you at the beginning about, it's all about sacrifice, the understanding of how Adam misinterpreted what was going on with that initial sacrifice and whispers then have carried on until we've ended up into the state we have we are now, okay? So here's number one, Deuteronomy 32, verse 37. You might want to write this down if you want to go and have a look yourselves. He will say, now where are their gods 
the rock they took refuge in, the gods who ate the fat of their sacrifices and drank the wine of their drink offerings, let them rise up to help you. Let them give you shelter. Number one. So, what I've been writing saying, God, pagan gods, different. That's what that, that is what that is saying, okay? That's all I need to say. Psalm 50, 9 to 15. Love this. Here we go. You'll start to see how the title no bull comes in soon. I have no need of a bull from your stall or of goats from your pens, for every animal of the forest is mine and the cattle on a thousand hills. I know every bird in the mountains and the insects in the fields are mine. If I were hungry, I would not tell you, for the world is mine and all that is in it. Do I eat the flesh of bulls or drink the blood of goats? Sacrifice what? Thank offerings. Some of us need to get thankful tonight. I just, we need to get thankful because it's incredible. Fulfill your vows to the Most High. Now, if you're wondering what that means, can't go into it, but it doesn't mean more probably what you think it means. And call on me in the day of trouble. I will deliver you and you will honor me. Again, don't worry, but that's just awesome. So God tells people to sacrifice thank offerings. He said, what does he say? Oh, yep. I do not need flesh of bulls, blood of goats, thank, but sacrifice thank offerings to God. Awesome. Right, Isaiah 1.11. The multitude of your sacrifices, what are they to me, says the Lord. I have more than enough of burnt offerings of rams and the fat of fattened animals. I have no pleasure in, the, here we go again, in the blood of bulls and lambs and goats, now this, I, I hadn't seen this at first, and this afternoon it's like, oh, when you come to appear before me, who asked this of you? Oh. So, right, who asked this of you? That's the response. Who asked this of you? It's almost like the, where are you? Who told you you were naked? We're back there again. Now, again, toxic whispers. You always will have, at the end of it, Abba whispering. Who told this of you? Generation, generation. Well, I heard from, yeah, but I heard from them, but I heard from them. Yeah, Augustine, yeah, definitely. Do you understand where I'm going with this? Yet you end up with something. That it, you can see it's not there. It's not there, right? So this trampling of my courts, and I love this, stop bringing meaningless offerings. Your incense is detestable to me. That's pretty harsh, is it not? Okay, listen up. He later goes on to talk in, those, in that passage, actually, through the, through the chapter, uh, about the hypocrisy of Israel. Now, and this is what he talks about. He talks about, their heart is far from me, but they still continue to sacrifice, right? That's what he talks about later on, Okay. See, God wasn't looking for the blood of bulls, all right? He wasn't looking for the blood of bulls. He was looking for a world in which people treated each other with kindness, compassion, love, and generosity. Thankfulness, thankfulness, an outward manifestation. He was never looking for the blood of bulls. Is this making sense? Good, all right. Now, blood sacrifice does not move God's heart, but the way that we treat one another does. Hear me. The blood of a bull does not move God's heart, 
but the way you treat your neighbor does. Something that we seem to have forgotten about, I included. And we need to go back to that point. And I say back, back before all of this. Right. Apparently that's how you whisper. See, I don't know what happened then. Right. Now, I, this is where I get upset, okay? The church, and we've all been guilty of it, right? We somehow still teach that if you offer the right sacrifice, worship, prayer, I could list a lot of them, right? Sacrifice can be anything in which you feel you have to give to God in order that he's okay with you, all right? And ask yourself, because you'll find that there's a lot, there's still a lot in me that I still go back to and think, should I, you know, whatever. Now, so basically, as we offer it, we're doing it on behalf of that we're not enough and therefore this will keep God happy happy with us. But at the same time, there's a scripture that talks about if you're gonna bring your offering to the altar, now when he meant offering, he was talking about your thanks offering, first go and what? Put it right. Now, I've never really got that. Well, I kind of have, but I thought, well, is it, you know, is it kind of um, cultural to that time? And then I thought, no, 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 this is right. What he was meaning was, you bring the stuff, but then at the same time, you can't even be okay with your brother. So we end up with a group of people who is trying to tick all the boxes and feel okay, but yet we're not okay with one another. And that to me is just not what, I can't believe that Father God wants that, but it's sometimes what we've portrayed. I hope this is making sense. Amos 5 verse 21 is my next scripture. I hate, I despise your religious festivals. Your assemblies are a stench to me. Even though you bring me burnt offerings and grain offerings, I will not accept them. Though you bring choice fellowship offerings, I will have no regard for them. Away with the noise of your songs, I will not listen to the music of your harps, but let justice roll on like a river, righteousness like a never-failing stream. So God's saying this, don't come and offer me this if you have no desire for justice and righteousness. Not interested. So the question is tonight, ask yourself, where you are now, how are you with your neighbor? When I say neighbor, the term, terminology, it's not your next door neighbor, literally sometimes. It can be a neighbor as in just your fellow, fellow person. And how are you treating those around you? Get this. Are you in your life releasing a river of righteousness or a sea of sacrificial blood? Is your life an expression of a river of righteousness? When I say righteousness, that all of us are at one with each other, we love in spite, we're kind, we're compassionate, we're gracious, we're merciful, or a sea of sacrificial blood, ticking all the boxes so don't care about them. Which one? Sometimes we can be both, I guess. Right now, next scripture, Mark 12, 32. The man replied, you are right in saying that God is one and there is no other but him. To love him with all your heart, with all your understanding and with all your strength and to love your neighbor as yourself is more important than all burnt offerings and sacrifices. Now, I love this. When Jesus saw that he had answered wisely, what did he say? He said to him, you are not far from the kingdom of God. You're not far from it. Now, I think that reveals a lot, that, that verse, a lot. So Jesus seems to agree that oneness with the Father 
Loving Father, understanding his love for us, therefore outward expression is where the power is. And actually, he says that it's the kingdom of God. So we've talked about the kingdom of God being this really odd thing that somehow it's a realm that when you die, you go to heaven to be in the kingdom of God. Which can I say now, try and find out where Jesus is actually talking about heaven as a place, you'll find it very difficult, right? And actually, he's referring to the kingdom of God as a state of being in the way that we love God, we allow him to love us, and ultimately, that spreads throughout the whole earth. Right there, folks, is where the kingdom of God exists. It's the promised land. Psalm 51, 16. Love this, probably my favorite. You do not delight in sacrifice, or I would bring it. You do not take pleasure in burnt offerings. My sacrifice, O God, is a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. You, God, will not despise. I think that's quite... See, what's interesting, the power in that scripture to me is David was in a mess. He was in an absolute state. His whole life was literally crumbling around his ears. And it's like, I recognize that because I've been there and so have my family and I'm hoping that all of you have had a similar experience. Because, come on now, this is the authenticity of the gospel, isn't it? Real people. And I wish when we read scripture, we would see like the beauty of people's stories because it's incredible. It's absolutely incredible. So we've got David in this complete mess and he had a revelation that the most important thing that he could bring to, to God was a broken and sincere heart before the Father. Is anybody feeling convinced? Even maybe just a little bit. I think it's incredible. I think it's totally incredible. Again, God wants hearts, not blood. Okay? Right. Jeremiah 7.21. For I did not speak to your fathers or command them in the day that I brought them out of the land of Egypt concerning burnt offerings or sacrifices. But this is what I commanded them, saying, Obey my voice, and I will be your God, and you shall be my people, and walk in all the ways that I have commanded you, that it may be well with you. Now, that could potentially, some of you will think, oh, God's this, like, guy with a whip. When he was talking about obey my voice, he was like, hear, hear my heart, footprints in the sand, let's walk together, hear my heartbeat. Again, we've, we read words that are very traditional to that time, obey, do what I have commanded you that you will, be, you will be all right. He's actually saying, yeah, how many of you know when things are going great in relationship and there's a humility that it goes well with each of you? Even with all the stuff that's going on, you sense that there's an okayness. I believe that that's what God was saying. If you hear my voice and we connect heart level this is going to go all right and you will actually end up at the place that I intended you to be, this peaceable kingdom that we're trying to get, all right? So hearing God's voice and being back in harmony with him was always the desire of God's heart, right back in the garden, remember, before things started whispering. He didn't need the blood of bulls. Now, let me throw out this question right now. 
Common sense says this. If sacrifice was God's idea, why did it make him so angry? Now don't say, well, it didn't make him angry. I've just given you, yay, many scriptures to say that it did. So uh, if, if, you were, if, you, if you want something, just think of yourself, if you want something and you desire something and then somebody gives it to you and you say, how dare you bring that? You say, well, you asked me, oh yeah, can I, can I borrow your toaster? Well, use a toaster. Mm-hmm. We all borrow each other's toasters, come on. Right, I'd like to borrow your toaster. Yeah, okay, you bring the toaster. Why have you brought me a toaster? Well, you asked me for it. No, I didn't. Do you understand? That's what it's like. At the end of the day, if it was God's idea, then why did it make him so mad? It wouldn't have made him mad. He would have been saying in the previous scriptures, thank you for bringing the blood of bulls because I'm now content with you. But he wasn't, yeah? Now, let's just start to develop this a little bit. We're not far off. Now, the Old Testament idea of sacrifice seems to be a continuation of what had happened in the garden. We've got this, like I said, the toxic whisper at the beginning. So was it through mercy to cover nakedness or was it through anger, kill the innocent to appease an angry God in order he can look us in the face? Now it's actually the latter that has become something that most people have believed, unfortunately. Um, Now, I believe that God was gracious enough to absorb what humans had grown so familiar with, like a process of time was taking place. Now, do you know, as, as, as parents, you, 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 um, there's things that you may not want from your children or there's things that you might be seeing that sometimes they need to walk a process before they mature and become. I believe that really Father God is no different. Sometimes the impact of grace and the last answer can't truly be seen in its full light unless you've had all the junk before it. Is it not true that grace has it? You know when they say, when you, it's only when you hit rock bottom that you realize how much you need grace or you need somebody to empower you to become again. Actually, sometimes that process, I believe that the Father was letting us get to the point of rock bottom to realize that actually, what is going on? We've totally missed, yeah, what have we settled for here? This isn't what the kingdom is supposed to look like, yeah? So, Here's another point for you. Now, don't panic. This is just a thought, all right? If we go with what Scripture is telling us about sacrifice, right? Remember all that we've just read. Jesus' death on the cross then and the shedding of blood must have been something different. Do you all agree? You should do because we've got evidence. Now, I'm not trying to weaken it. I'm actually making it more powerful, all right, because if Jesus was simply another bull, then hang on a second, God looks down and says, your sacrifice is detestable to me. He looks at the cross and says, that disgusts me, but that didn't happen, did it? Something was going on, something different was happening. Now, if God never required the, bull of, bull of, the blood, the bull of bulls, If God never required the blood of bulls in order to be one with his people, then why would that change for Jesus? Just think, write it down, go away, have a a play with it. Look Look at what's written in some of the scriptures because it's really fantastic how the story develops. But sometimes this is what we believe. Oh, but 
no, 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 I'll tell you the answer. I've got the answer, I've got the answer. But God is frustrated at the lack of perfection in bulls. Mm -hmm. So sends himself to suffer under himself, which will make him finally satisfied. Ding! You can't actually find that really in scripture. It pulls apart from what is really being said. And yet, over time, that's actually the narrative that we've believed that somehow bulls were rubbish, but as long as he could send himself and shed his own blood, then that would be then okay. It doesn't add up with the whole story of how it's all presented over time. Don't worry, it gets better. Hebrews 10 verse 1. Are you all with me? Yeah, you are all with me. That's good. Okay. Hebrews 10 verse 1 says this. The law is only a shadow of the good things that are coming, not the realities themselves. For this reason, it can never, by the same sacrifices repeated endlessly year after year, make perfect those who draw near to worship. So, The law regarding sacrifice was only a shadow of the thing that had not yet made its way into linear time. Okay? Making sense. Says, Christ who was in the foundation of the earth before time. Yeah? So he was before. Okay? He wasn't, when Jesus came, that wasn't the first that we thought of him. It says Jesus was right at the beginning. So we start from that point, okay? Before God had the idea for the earth, Christ, okay? Now, shadow. How many of you know if you look at a shadow, it's a bit murky and obscure? Like a little bit like, doesn't have really clean edges and like, it's all a bit weird and actually sometimes you don't even know what the shadow is, right? Sometimes it can be totally not like what it's coming from, yeah? Now, they also don't have a story. They merely are like a dreg of what is the real thing. It's just like an, like an afterthought almost, yeah? Now, to get a good grip of a shadow, what do you have to look at? The source. Do you not? To know why the shadow is there, you have to first look at the source. Go back to it. The law is only a shadow of the good things that are coming. So the law was simply a shadow of the very thing that was actually the center. You're probably thinking, oh, where's this going? It does get there, I promise. Well, I think it does anyway. I hope it does. (laughs) So, the Old Testament idea of sacrifice must not be seen as the original plan of our creator. Must not, yeah? Rather be seen, listen to this, as an obscure shadow that can only be explained when Christ is finally revealed in the flesh. What does he say? I am the light of the world. I am the light. Now, if you're looking at the light, you finally understand what the shadow means and what it's done to bring you to the point where the light is then revealed. Does that make sense? I hope it does. This is where we go wrong. We start with animal sacrifices and try and understand Christ from that premise and end up incredibly misguided. Some of you can't get your head around Jesus because you're trying to go from shadow to light. Doesn't work that way. 
It does not work that way. Jesus has become the new bull. And that actually wasn't what was intended. Jesus is no bull. Okay? He's no bull. Now, when Jesus turns up, and get this, you might want to write this down, it's a lovely quote, substance meets shadow. It meets shadow. Now, isn't there a thing like where if you get to a certain point with the light, the shadow actually disappears? I, I just saw that today of this, the shadow of all this stuff, and then gradually the light, it's almost like you get to a point where you just see the light, and everything murky that was obscure comes into this powerful tangible expression that's finally there for you to see the reality of what always was. We reach the point in linear time where all the stuff before is shown up. Nearly done. I hope this has made some sense to you. Nearly done. Hebrews 10, 2-4 says this. This is regarding sacrifice. Otherwise... Would they not have stopped being offered? Basically, he's talking about like if they'd have done what they were intended to do, otherwise would they have not stopped being offered? For the worshippers would have been cleansed once and for all and would no longer have felt guilty of their what? Forgetfulness and unconsciousness. But those sacrifices are an annual reminder of sins. It is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away forgetfulness and unconsciousness. Now, again, when we look at that word sin, when Jesus came, he was dealing with more than acts of rebellion, right? So like, oh, no, he came and the woman caught in the act of adultery. Yeah, that was part of it. it. We always pick out like, oh, well, Jesus came to save like the real like down and outs or whatever. Like, that wasn't the main core that somehow he came to fix like the bad people, because if anything, they, they were less unconscious than the blimmin' religious lot who were making Jesus' life a living hell. What, what is that not right? The fact is, he came to reveal something to all men, not just to somehow say, oh, you know, like, yeah, the bad people. Again, which is why when we read sin... and. When people use that word and almost present it as if like, you know, and thank you, Jesus, that you died for the sinner, they're not often talking to themselves. They're talking about, you over there, I know what you've done, and you over there. Yeah, that's what it's like. When actually, if we realize that sin at core is our forgetfulness of who the Father is, all of us can be guilty of being in that boat. But this is what Jesus came to kill. This is what he came to kill. Offering sacrifice all the time is just simply a reminder of your individual shortcomings. This is where I'm going to go back to what I said before. Jesus becomes like a bull. Here's why. We offer Jesus to God in order that he will like us. That's not what Jesus is for. Sorry. Because if Jesus, if God is love, Jesus is the exact representation of the Father then how can himself as Jesus somehow make himself okay with us? It, 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 yeah, he's actually got like split personality, like a personality disorder, and he doesn't, okay? Jesus' death can somehow remind us of how pitiful and pathetic we are. You know, thank you, Jesus, that God now loves me. 
that is a very, very sad Christianity. Because guess what? The message of hope that we're supposed to be giving out to all the people who haven't yet become conscious, they see in us this, at least I've got my Jesus who can give his blood in order that God will like me. We should be, our heads should be held high because we have something that's revealed to us, a consciousness of what was really going on, that we are completely at one with our creator. And it's absolutely phenomenal. Do you know, that's all people are missing out there. Out there. Delete that from the, that's stupid. What do I mean out there? I mean in the context of people in the wider context than just this building. The greatest issue to humanity that existed when Jesus came and it still exists now is a lack of consciousness to the reason why they are here. And the power and the value and the, the amazingness of what humanity is. Hence why people end up in the mess they do. It's to do with unconsciousness. Jesus wasn't about appeasing God's anger towards wrongdoing, but about dealing with forgetfulness and unconsciousness once and for all in a visible, tangible expression of love. Now, how many of you in here tonight are willing to go that far? It says, take up your cross. I now know what that means. So, there's a problem unconsciousness, there's an issue posing a threat to this incredible kingdom. Are we willing, no greater love is this, that a man would lay down his life for his friends. We can be as equally powerful as Jesus. We can. We can. Because there are just as many struggles and things going on today, and I believe that that's where the power lies within us. We don't go far enough in our willingness to lay down our lives for our brother. Oh, sorry, sorry. Did you want to? Did you want to bring that? <laughs> well, isn't that amazing then? He wanted to show people, not reveal their shame and guilt as an issue, but show that their shame and guilt had tarnished their ability to understand the beauty of what was there all along. Shame and guilt should never be pointed out to condemn somebody. Shame and guilt should be pointed out to say, do you know the only reason you feel ashamed and guilty is because you've forgotten? No shame, no guilt, if you've remembered. Just, you can't have the two, all right? I'm sorry, I'm going on. Is everyone okay? Are you all okay? Yeah, I'm sorry. Just uh, pull out a gun if there's a problem. Um, right, okay. So where are we? So you see, sin, our unconsciousness, which created the need for law, Unconsciousness meant that we needed right or wrong, good and evil, so we felt that everything was okay and we felt like there was something we could tick all the boxes, which produced death, was allowed to run its course in order that when Jesus finally comes, it reveals the enormity of his love. Jesus' death was intended to show us that God himself, and I love this, removes our forgetfulness and our unconsciousness through love and doesn't punish himself in order to save us from himself. Okay? He fulfilled the law. He did. Men wanted there to be sacrifice. He was saying, right, okay, if we're going to go down that road, I'll do it in order to be a different expression of love so you can see it was never meant to be that way. He wanted people to see the truth of who he always was. So Christ, which was the substance of the shadow, was not God venting his wrath on an innocent victim but a heroic act 
showing the lengths to which a person would show us love in order to destroy what was destroying us. I'm telling you, if we could become that, it's dangerous because there might potentially be that there's death in the process, okay? A bit like that video that we watched, when you go this way, people want... Uh, People want, like, we call it grace light, you know, like Sprite light or whatever. People want, they want, I actually think a lot of people like the sound of this because it makes them feel actually more valid as a human. But at the same time, they struggle to get a grip of it because of what it might represent. Um, And I think the reason the Pharisees struggled so much with Jesus is because he was posing a threat to their network that had kept them alive for so long. And some of us tonight need to allow Jesus to come back again. You know, have another experience of who Jesus actually was. Because just remember, if he was to turn up now, he would pose the same problem to us. All of the cultural issues that we're facing now that pose a problem to British society in 2014, he would shatter what we believe is right. Because he did it back then, didn't he? So let's not think that just because he talked about those issues then, somehow that's the end of the story. If you put Jesus into the equation now, which I believe he is, and he's speaking to us all the time, he's whispering and saying, you've missed the point. That's not actually what I think. Do you get it? So, last page. Right. So what do you believe about Jesus now? What do you believe about him now? after some of that has been presented to you. I want you to smile. You're allowed to smile, okay? It's it's good news, it's good news, okay? Now, is is Jesus simply just another bull or goat? Have we made him just another bull or goat? Ask yourself the question if you have. That's something we can talk about. Do you need Jesus for God to like you? Do you need to present his blood to an angry father. Do you know that the father's love for you in here tonight is beyond anything you can ever understand? Like the value that you have to him, like in your wildest dreams, you would not be able to understand what that that means. The person who created this entire planet looks upon you with the loving gaze and sees you as as part of his DNA, of of his, that's something to be excited about. That makes me feel okay with life. It does, it's it's a good thing. The father looks at us and he's he's settled, he's okay with you. He's he's all right with you. Jesus is supposed to make you feel worthy, not lousy. And sometimes he doesn't, does he? Oh, you know, well, Basically, the blood has made everything okay with me and God. No, because he was the expression of him. His expression says, you are good enough. You know, I just think back to when he was going around for dinner with the tax collector. And again, tax collectors now, still irritating, but not quite the same as what they were viewed as back there, right? I just got a bill through. Um, Because he was sat with them, bearing in mind, at the point he was sat with them, he hadn't shed any blood. But yet, what will have happened to those people was just immense when he said, neither do I condemn you, now go and be, and be unconscious no more. 
that, before it even died, will have completely revolutionized that woman's life. Won't it? What shall separate me? What shall separate me? Here's the expression that we have never, ever been separated. Never. There is no problem with you and God. There is no problem. Take that away with you tonight. There is no issue between you and your creator. No issue. Now, do we make decisions that sometimes cause an irritation and hell on earth? Yes, of course we do. But that doesn't mean that God starts hating us. He just looks and just goes, oh man, come on. There's more, have you forgotten? Yeah? Hold your head up high. I want you all to hold your head up high. Stand with a straight back and confidence that, you, that things are okay. I've, I've got a thing on my, on my wall in my office that I look at every time I walk out of my office. And it says, um, don't forget, it's just a bad day, not a bad life. And I think some of us need to remember that. Yeah, there's stuff that can sometimes irritate us, but in the grand scheme of things, we've got a lot to be thankful for. Yeah, fix your eyes on Jesus and remember who the Father is. And that's me done. All right? Yeah? So I'm sorry. I've, I know I started a bit later. I've run on a little bit. I'm really sorry. But I think sometimes, I think sometimes, like, we shouldn't get worried about how, how long we go on for. Because this is, this is healthy. It's actually healthy. Yeah, we're together. I'm glad, I'm glad we're together and I'm glad we, this is a conversation, yeah? And I hope that some of the stuff that's been said tonight will just kind of drop into your spirit. Now, if some of it stressed you out, I'm not going to apologize. I'm glad, right? Because how many of you know that I believe the consciousness, which is Father, right? Like, often when we get a little bit unsettled about things, and I'm definitely proof of this, when you get unsettled, it's usually that something's kind of going on. Yeah, change, you're aware of something, it gives you an opportunity to, to turn and go a different road. So tonight, go away with an open heart to, if one thing, if you haven't agreed with anything I've said, and you know what, I'm okay with that as well, right? Will you go away believing one thing? That the Father just might be more loving than you ever thought, and that you've heard things that have tainted that, and I apologize for all of those generations of rubbish that have brought us to this place where somehow we believe that our creator is not happy with us because that's not the case. So I love you, I bless you. Um, and for those of you who haven't been before, please do stay back. Um, we would love to enjoy a meal with you in the back, get to know you, to chat. I know that Anthel probably wanna, do you wanna add part three now? Yeah. <laughs> he can, seriously, it's fine. All right, love you all, thank you so much. Really, really good. For any of you that are time conscious, <clears throat> and then you go home and watch your three back episodes of EastEnders <laughs> that you recorded on Sky Plus, behave. Um, also want to say I totally 100% agree with what Joel has taught tonight. And uh, some of you have some Issues like, well, what about Jesus the Lamb slain? I'll answer that for you. Might do it next week or might do it on a Wednesday when I get back from the next trip, but, but there is no conflict. Also, when Joel said about people texting in songs, I thought, 
I'd like to text in a song to finish with. I'd like you to finish with butt prints in the sand. Because <laughs> you see, there's two stories. The one is the one about the person who said, I was going through difficulty, and Lord, why did all this difficulty happen? And then as we were walking along, I looked, and there was only one set of footprints, and I said to the Lord, what is this? And he said, that's when I carried you. Of course, the other story is that going along and seeing these two-cheeked skid marks in the sand was, Lord, and what was that? And God said, that's when I dragged you kicking and screaming to the brink of an understanding that would revolutionize your life. So sometimes the footprints in the sand are not what you need. Sometimes it's the footprints in the sand that you need. You need dragging, kicking, and screaming to the brink of an understanding that will revolutionize your whole life. And so if you've felt that tonight, I'm saying that it's okay. If your butt's a bit sore because you think I've been, it's okay. Because you are beginning to see something that I believe is the revelation of heaven. And uh, don't be afraid of it. I'll bring you back to what I said at the beginning. When I said, don't retreat back to the safe ground of familiar territory. Don't retreat back there. Trust God. Some of you say, oh, I believe God and that scared me. Well, if you believe God, it shouldn't scare you because God's not, God can handle, just believe, he's, he's here to bless you, he's here to help you and to reveal himself to you. So we bless you tonight. We're always here for a chat if you, uh, you want to chat. Otherwise, please stay, have some pizza, have a fun time and enjoy. And thanks, Joel, and we hope to see you on Wednesday night. All right, bless you, we're done. <laughs>